0: Amazing memories. Um, Last week, we went out to eat and got some Chinese food with some friends. And the waitress came over and said, you know, what would you like to drink? And I said, do you have Coke? And she said, no, you have Pepsi. To which I said, I'd rather drink water. (laughs) Why? Well, one, because I have taste and I don't like Pepsi. But there's actually a reason why I like Coke. Not even Diet Coke, right? I like Coke with Chinese food. It's when Sandra and I first moved to Michigan in 1998, she was six months she was six months pregnant at the time, and we went on staff at Faith Baptist at Dearborn Heights, and uh, we didn't have a house then because we moved from Texas and sold our house, and so for about six, seven months, we lived in the mission apartment at Faith in the old building downstairs, and it was a, only a seven-foot ceiling, and it was really a creepy kind of thing and stuff, but it was a small little thing and we were glad to have, it. she was pregnant with Nate at the time. So what we would do, because Faith is, a, has a strip mall next to it and everything, and just to make it easier on her, I would go over, and one of the strip mall stores was a Chinese restaurant. And I would walk over, she would call it in, and we'd walk, I'd walk over there and get the Chinese food and get all of it together. And every time I got it, I'd always buy her and me a can of Coke. And going down, and we would eat our dinner down, and, and Reagan was only like three and stuff, and we'd spend the night there, and sometimes multiple days and nights there in that mission apartment, this tiny little thing. We'd eat Chinese food and drink Coke, and it was just such a, such an amazing time. And so, in fact, when Nate was born in January, if you remember, January '99, we had those two back-to-back blizzards. They shut down Metro Airport. There was 14 inches, then 12 inches, then Hurricane Nate. Right, so we had three back-to-back blizzards. We had three blizzards and so just before she's like the day before we're going into the hospital and everything, and she's like, I'm hungry. And they hadn't plowed any of the parking lots because there's like tons of snow there. And so I left and she called it in and the Chinese restaurant was still open. And I walked across to the snow and big you know, big steps because the snow was so high. Got our Chinese food, walked all the way back down to our little basement apartment and ate it. And so every time I eat Chinese food, I love eating it with Coke. Because there's just that instantaneous memory to this sweet little moment in our life that was probably a, well, it probably should be a bad moment, shouldn't it? Living in a dank basement little apartment that was not bigger than the stage. But it was a really sweet time. Isn't it amazing how memories in your life will connect you back to If you're taking notes, there's a purpose and a reason why I told you that story It's this. Life's greatest moments involve people we love. They involve people we love. Start listing off all the great moments in your life. If not not all of them, most of them involve you being with someone you care about. Involved you being with somebody and their mom, mom, every mom in here, the life's greatest moments giving birth to your child. So there was at least one other person, right? If you gave birth to the back seat of a cab or something, but there were at least one other person, you and your child, right? Amen? Okay, all right, we'll keep moving there. Uh, <clears throat> but all of these great moments were opportunities. <clears throat> they were opportunities to take a risk. They were opportunities to be vulnerable they were opportunities to connect with another person. But there are people who don't make these connections. You see, these great opportunities, that's what salvation is, isn't it? Salvation was there was an opportunity. Somebody explained Jesus to you. You heard it on the radio. It was at a big service of Billy Graham. It was a, at a workplace. It was in your bedroom with your mom. It was, somebody gave you the opportunity. To connect with God through Jesus, and you accepted Christ as your personal Savior. That was a great moment, and it involved people you love. But some people refuse to do this. So, some of you right now, you're a little lonely, and the reason you're lonely is this: there's basically three reasons why people don't take the opportunities. Throw these up here. You could, you know, you could apply these three to why you don't take that promotion. You could apply these three why you don't. Uh, Move and go do something different with your life. You've lived in the same house for 30 years and you should move, but eh, I don't want to try that. You get stuck, as some of you young people, this is, might be one of the reasons why you get married to someone you shouldn't get married to. You kind of get stuck in a bad relationship and everybody expects you to get married and eh, you, you end up marrying them. And then 10 years later, like this was a huge mistake, or 10 minutes later, right? People don't do things, number one, because doing nothing is easy. The easiest thing you will do in your life is nothing. But nothing of value is ever easy, is it? Nothing of anything, nothing worthwhile. You, you, didn't, you never did anything worthwhile by being comfortable. It always required some energy, some sweat, something difficult. Secondly, standing out is uncomfortable. I mean, if, if you don't want to be the only one in science class that says, well, That's what Darwin believed, but this is what I believe. Nobody wants to stand out that way. Uh, You don't want to be the only one in the boardroom or in the committee meeting at work and stuff, and everybody's going to go along with this, and you say, you know, I, I just don't think that's ethical. Didn't we give these people our word this is what we're going to do? But that'll cost us money. Yeah, but this seems like the wrong thing to do. Nobody wants to stand out at a family gathering and the the topic of faith comes around. And you know that your sister-in-law's there and she's got a big mouth. And the topic of faith comes around. Nobody wants to stand around and say, you know, everyone says, well, everyone goes to heaven. Nobody wants to be the one that says, well, that's not what Jesus said. And lastly is the expert complex. Churches are bad at this. Only professionals, only trained, only talented, only elite. Think about this for just a moment on this expert complex idea. The most important person in your life probably never went to school for what they were in your life. They probably had no formal education about what they did in your life. They probably had no training. The most important person in your life was basically winging it. That was your mom. I mean, yeah, when you're a young mom and you're pregnant, you might take classes and read books, but in the reality, don't you do this, mom? Eventually you throw out the book because... They didn't really know what they were talking about. time uh, this is funny because the first one you have books and you sit child proof it, and, you know, you put those little things on the, the, the thing with the holes where the electricity comes out, right? You put that, you put those things so that they can't open cabinet doors. You put the bleach up further and everything. By the time the second one comes out, you could care less. You put the bleach in with the child and say, Here, it's a cheat toy, play it. <laughs> it's amazing how that changes, right? But think about this: the person who probably impacted your life the most had no training and no expertise. And if you're the firstborn, they didn't even have any experience, and it was your mom. Everyday people change the world. Everyday people make huge impacts on people's lives. See, these stop people from taking risks. And if you're going to do what we're going to talk about today, about being involved and opportunities to be involved in someone else's life, the reason you're probably going to not do it is going to be one of these three reasons. See, in 1 Samuel chapter 19, there's plenty of opportunities, but the first opportunity is an opportunity for life. Look at verse 1. And Saul spake to Jonathan, his sons, and to all his servants. This is what he's going to say. That they should kill David. David's an innocent man right here. You know, there's a little irony. I'm probably using that word wrong. I'm going to use it anyways. The irony is there comes a time and place in David's life when he actually deserves to die. He's responsible for Uriah dying. He takes another man's wife. He impregnates another woman that he's not married to. He does all these horrible things. He lies, he cheats, manipulates, he does all that. He deserved to die there. But right here, David is innocent. David is a servant. He's a servant of Saul. He's following God. David is doing everything he's supposed to, and King Saul says, because he's doing everything God wants him to, and he's serving me correctly, he must die. All right, I want to divert from my message for a second, okay? I think everyone's going to probably agree with me, but I'm still going to divert from my message for a second. I believe we treat life too casually in this country. I believe there's certain people who need to be removed from this Uh, planet—child molesters and uh, rapists and murderers. They—they need to be removed. Uh, That's one thing I think Texas did really well. uh, They—they sent people to meet Jesus real quickly. But we flip it though. You murder 20 kids and you get a life sentence. Uh, You're an inconvenience for someone to be born. verses that should be in your notes. And these verses, why I believe God is, and this verse is why I am and God is, pro-life. One of the best ones there is Psalms 139, 13 through 16. It talks about God knew me in my substance. And the, the, the Hebrew word for substance means embryo. God knew me when I was an embryo. Those are amazing verses. And, and if I'm not careful, I'll say this wrong, but can I say that the, maybe one of the m- number one reasons why I'm pro-life might not even involve the Bible. It's pictures like this. This is a 5 got married, so we were both in our 40s, you know, don't, don't, don't do the math. And so she got married, and then they had a child real quick, right? And her little girl was Beautiful blonde hair, blue-eyed, just adorable little girl. And I know she just dominates that home. She's the only child, right? For both of them and stuff. So she's gotta dominate. She's probably so spoiled and everything. But she's so adorable. But there she was, and you know what? In many states, and what many people want is that a child that has You know, the number two reason is because money. They want this little one. And you can see videos of them bragging about buying Ferraris and luxury cars because they get money from this. You want to end 99% of all abortions? Don't make abortion illegal. Make it illegal to charge and receive money for an abortion. And you will watch abortion clinic after abortion clinic. By the way, the majority of abortion clinics are in black neighborhoods. Margaret Sanders' wishes come one reason why I'm so pro-life because look at that little thing. Here's the problem, though. The common reply to that, everything I've said, is yes, that is nice, that is nice. But you pro lifers You love the baby as long as it's in the womb. As soon as the baby gets out of the womb, where are you then? And you know what? There's some truth to that. There's some truth to that. Listen, if a young girl makes the right choice, you know what we want to do? Encourage her, right? She makes the right choice, we wanna help her. Um, That's why today we started, if you go by the ladies restroom, there's a display, there's a baby crib, that's not what I slept in last night. But there's a baby crib there and there's some bottles. Those bottles go to help Oxford Pregnancy Center. They help young ladies, they help women who've made a right choice to keep that child. They support them with diapers, they support them with a whole bunch of other things. So take one of those home, open it up, put all your loose change, dollar bills, whatever you'd like to do, if you, if you don't want to do that, open it up, put a 20 in it, do that, and turn it into the office. And every one of them, the dollars that all goes, we, I think a couple years ago we did like $1,500 out of church our size. They were blown away. It was ridiculous. Uh, thank you, by the way. And, and all of it goes to crisis pregnancy to help those people. Because when a young lady makes the right choice, we want to help. Amen? Amen. Uh, this is also why we support monthly. I don't know if you this. Monthly we support Brother Hicks. And he goes down and he feeds homeless people. And he said, "All those people on not dying. Most of them are drug addicts or crazy people and everything else. Uh, I can't deny that. You're probably absolutely right if that's what you're thinking. They are right. But they are still human beings. And he goes down and gives them things. And I know, I'm glad he doesn't give them money because they would just use it for drugs. And I know some of them might even swap out the food he gives them. To, to, I, I don't know what they're doing. But at least he's down there trying. And we support him monthly. Uh, that's why this year we're going to s- try and start an addicts ministry to help these people. I would like to give you a challenge. See, some of you might, maybe me, I'm starting to get to that point of that empty nest when all the kids are out. Right? Uh, But you still have a nice home. How about I give you a challenge? Why not become a foster parent? Now, before you freak out, Set yourself up. And I can just take babies, and another foster parent doesn't, has needs a break, or goes on vacation. They just bring you that foster child, and you just keep them for a week. And there's people that do that, and they just keep. You might only do it once or twice a, a year. Or so why not give up? I'm not against adopting people from China. Please don't misunderstand me. But we have so many kids in this country who just desperately need someone to love them. We've got kids that are growing up all the way through our foster care system. By the way, by the way horrible system, horrible system. They don't care about. That. Why not be involved in that? But we just got rid of kids. Well, do we support life or don't we support life? Well, that could be hard. Anything worth value. Now, let me also say this. I've diverted from my message, but that's okay. I have a shorter message. Um, Two things here. Grandparents, the right answer is always the, the answer that helps a child. In this church, we have quite a few grandparents that have taken in their children or help out or do something with them daily. Uh, If you're wondering now whether or not to make a decision, the correct answer is always the decision that helps a child. Amen? And I'd like to make this. I didn't know we'd have snow when I prepared my message and stuff, but this is in my message. If you're here and you're a young girl who ever finds herself in this position and say, well, this wasn't planned, Um, thank God for unplanned pregnancies because that's me. My mom would like you to know she was married at the time. I'm the youngest. Nine pregnancies and ten and after. No one plans any of those, okay? But thank God for unplanned pregnancies, you know. Um, if you're here and you're like, I don't know what I would do. I'd just go to a clinic. and uh, I would just like to tell you this. Just a promise. <coughs> uh, my family... you never find opportunity for Jonathan to support and protect life. So I'm going to give you three things about the opportunities for life requires. Number one, it requires you to take a stand. Look at verse two. But Jonathan saw a son, delighted much in David, and Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father, seeketh to kill thee. Now therefore I pray thee, take heed to thyself until the morning, and abide in a secret place, and hide thys- thyself. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where thou art, I will commune with my father of thee, and will uh, what I see, that I will tell thee. Uh, Jonathan could have done two things that he didn't do here. He could have, number one, just kept his mouth shut and let David die. David's going to take his place. Just let him die. Or he could have just gone and told David, run. Just run. Run as fast as you can and not do anything. That's not what he does. He goes and tells David what's happening, and he says, hide yourself, and I'll come back. And he is then goes and goes face to face He already knows his dad's a little nuts. He's already tried to kill David a couple times. He will try to kill Jonathan. He already knows his dad's a little mentally unstable. He already knows his dad's unpredictable. His dad has a temper. His dad wants David to die. He could very easily, because you know, you want to do the right thing, but you don't want to stand out and have everyone know you do the right thing. You want to be a believer, a follower of Jesus. You just don't want everyone in math class to know that's who you are. He could have easily gone and told David this and then stayed undercover not tell his father he's helping David. That's not what he does. He goes face-to-face with his father, who's a lunatic, and tells him, you need to stop doing this. If you're going to be a man or a woman of character, you're going to have to take a stand for what's right. And adults, it's going to cost you. It might cost you promotion, it might cost you money, it might cost you a lot of things, but if you're going to stand for what's right, it will cost you. Young people, if you're going to stand for what's right, you will be mocked. When you're the only one in health class who says, you know what, I've decided to make a commitment to wait until I get married. So I don't really need to know all of these things about diseases and contraceptives. I don't need to know that because I've already made a decision. The greatest birth control is abstinence, and I'm going to do that because I want to an honor and glorify God. And everybody looks at you and just starts laughing. When you take a stand for what's right, you will be mocked. Amen. <clears throat> <clears throat> and David listen, here's a, here's a rule of thumb when you're on God's side the world is going to hate you Jesus said that right? we're selling Jesus like a, a pill we're selling Jesus that your best life now, and Jesus said the exact opposite, they hate me and the world will hate you because you love me When you stand for Jesus, when you choose to accept Christ as your personal Savior, you are now in the minority of the world. You are out here, and when you stand for what's right, be prepared to be mocked. Be prepared for it to cost you. In fact, I can say this to you. If Jesus hasn't cost you a friendship, if Jesus hasn't cost you a promotion, if Jesus hasn't cost you something, you're probably not serving him right. You don't get a lot of amens on that, Chris. Number two. The opportunity for life requires you to vocalize your beliefs. Look at verse 4. And Jonathan spake good of to David unto Saul, his father. Um, eventually, you've got to open your mouth. You've got to say something. <coughs> or sign language something. And said unto him, let not the king sin against his servant, against David. He's confronting him. He's using words like sin. This is not PC. Because he hath not sinned against thee. <clears throat> and because his works have been, to thee, were very good. He's done good. And now he reminds them of the whole Goliath thing in verse 5. For he did put his life in his hand and slew the Philistine. Don't you remember? He, he could have died. And the Lord was brought a great salvation for all Israel. Thou sawest it and didst rejoice. You were happy when he did this. Wherefore, then, wilt thou, look at this word again, sin against innocent blood to slay David without a cause. Jonathan opens his mouth and he has to speak. He is trying to convince his father of the truth. It is not enough just to be in the presence of somebody. It's not enough just to live a life that's different. Eventually, when you take a stand for Jesus, when you take a stand for what's right, you will have to vocalize your beliefs. I hate being sold to. I hate that feeling that someone's trying to walk me through something, so I'll buy something. I hate when someone's trying to manipulate me just to get my money. And uh, we we bought a car recently, and my daughter's eyes were wide because I had to negotiate with the salesman and stuff like that. And I I mentioned you people because we were trying to get the price low. And I just said, I'm a poor Baptist preacher. I, I took out my, And he was like, I took out my business and I said, look, right there, Oaklandwood Woods Baptist Church. And he was like, well, I said, I have three, fo- I've got six kids, three of our foster kids. I started taking them out and going through this. I'm like, do you see my shoes? I was wearing my ocean full. I knew what I was doing. I went through all this other stuff and he's does this, this and this. I got that down, guy down $500 because of people. So, yeah. you people. Know, <laughs> and, and, and Reagan's just watching me and I, yeah, she was like, way to go dad And really, I was really, because I was Andre eventually was like, all oh, right, back off, back off. Because I was like trying to get it for free. I told the guy this, full disclosure, right? The, the guy who was in charge, when like, the young guy came over, I told him this. He was in charge. He's, and I said, Do you go to church anywhere? And he goes, Yes, I go to St. Something." It was a Catholic church in Sterling Heights and stuff. I go, Okay. I said, Are you married? And he goes, Yeah, I'm getting married this, uh, in uh, a couple weeks, this, uh, a couple months in the summer. I said, Listen, take $100 off. I'll do your wedding for free. <laughs> <laughs>
1: he was like, What? I said, Man, I'll do it for free. This and I said,
0: I hey, even said to a point, I'll pray for you. <laughs> <laughs> and he went, I can talk to God on my own. He's like, Ah! <laughs> seven, eight, <so. laughs> I hate being sold to. You know what I have a problem with how we're kind of selling what we're doing with Jesus? Is that we're selling him. We're turning Jesus into some quick, get, get, get quick, rich scheme. We're marketing to something. Hey, you want to get these stains out of your carpet? Have you tried Jesus? Hey, would you like your kids to be perfect and have their teeth whitened and never have any drug issues or problems in your life? Have you tried the latest and greatest Jesus right here available for 1995? We are marketing Jesus, and we are not telling people the truth that people are sinners. Jesus is not a get-rich-quick scheme. You know who Jesus is? I'm going to emphasize this because preachers on TV, they're not teaching this. If you've been in our Wednesday night class, we're seeing this. We show actual videos. They're not teaching this. You know who Jesus is? Jesus is God's only begotten son. And what Mr. Olsteen and Joyce Meyer and all these other people on TV are telling you is that Jesus is the first only begotten son. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus is the only begotten son of God. Amen? Amen. John 3.16 Secondly, God, Jesus is God. Came and come in the flesh. Jesus did not become God. He did not become God at his baptism. He did not become God on the cross. He did not become God at some other event when the Holy Spirit's anointing came on him. Because people like Benny Hinn will tell you Jesus was born a man, and then the Holy Spirit came on him, and then he became God. And we have the same anointing. And then they will say, "You see me? You see a little God." That's a heresy. Jesus is God's only begotten Son. Jesus is God come in the flesh. He was God at the beginning of Genesis 1 1. He has always been part of the Trinity. And lastly, Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's the only way. Um, I'm going to disagree with the Pope. The Pope is flat out wrong. He's made statements in the last few years, and he has said, Muslims go to heaven, he has said, atheists go to heaven he said just a few weeks ago everyone goes to heaven i do not know him i only know his statements so i'm going to say his statements are wrong because they contradict with the bible jesus said i am the only way to heaven i am the gate only way only way you go to heaven is by accepting christ as your personal savior there's not the muslim way this way or any other possible way there's only the jesus way either jesus was right or jesus was wrong because he himself said i am the truth the light No one comes to the Father but by me. I don't know the Pope, but I'm going to disagree with him. But for the opportunity for life, eventually you're going to have to vocalize these things. Eventually you're going to have to take a stand, and you're going to have to say truth. And lastly, number three, opportunities for life requires you to connect with people. Look at verse six. And Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan, Saul swear, as the Lord liveth, he shall now be slain. And Jonathan called David. And Jonathan slew him, all those things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul. He brings him back. And he was in his presence as in times past. Jonathan is a type of Christ. It uh, means he's an example of what Christ will do. Uh, Jonathan's trying to connect Saul and David brings him back. Jonathan is this, just like Jesus. Jonathan is a Jonathan's a connect, he connects people, he restores relationships, he brings them back. Jesus connects us to the Father, he restores our relationship that's sin divided. Jesus Himself will say in Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the people who post things on Facebook. <laughs> Not what it is, right? Come on. How I many problems have been caused because somebody finds something out and they have to put it on Facebook or something like that? And I'm just letting, I'm just sharing prayer concerns. No, you're not. you are gossiping. Shame on you. Blessed are the, say it with me, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Jonathan is a connector. See, you want to connect your relationships. If you want to connect your relationships and change it, you need to be connected to the right source first. I want to give you an illustration about... How important Jesus is, and how He connects, and how He changes a family. So, Mr. Merrill, am I not here? Yeah. This time, Mrs. Merrill. Uh, um, This time, one of the little Merrills. (laughs) 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 Stand here, Jim. Stand here, Mom. Perfect. I'm I'm glad it's. (laughs) Perfect. No, because he's a boy. I want this is better with a boy. Okay. You know, if you touch something with electricity, right, it goes through you, and the next person who touches it gets shocked and everything. I'm going to suggest to you that Jesus is really the same way. Alright? the dad is supposed to be the spiritual leader of the home. He's supposed to be the one that sets the pace, who makes standards in the home. Dad is the one who's supposed to say we're going to church. Dad is the one who says we're not going to do that because this is what the Bible says, that's not right. We're not going to do it. Dad is supposed to be that. So when dad let's pretend this pulpit is Jesus. When dad connects with Jesus, he then connects with mom. Now, you take a family that doesn't know Jesus. Dad gets saved. I'm telling you, every time I've seen it, dad gets saved, the entire family gets saved. They all do. Because it goes all the way from dad to mom and then mom to kids. But all of us know somebody who mom got saved, right? Dad was like, I'm not going to church. I'm not doing that. And usually what happens, usually, not always, but usually what happens, the kids get saved. And then somewhere around in their teenage, they're like, well, dad doesn't go to church. Why should I go to church? And then since girls usually marry somebody like their dad, that'll freak you out. Since girls usually marry someone like their dad, girls turn around and marry a guy who doesn't go to church either. Dad serves Jesus. Very rarely does this not happen. When dad serves Jesus, the whole family serves Jesus. When mom serves Jesus, there's a bit of a connection that's lost. Now, sir, I want, I, want to, I want to harp on you for a minute. Sir, you're the spiritual leader of your home. This is a chain. This is a connection. I believe I can prove this biblically and by examples and everything else And I'm the pastor, so that's what we're going to do. Uh, this is a chain that goes here. So, sir, watch what happens. Dad takes his hand off just not going to church anymore. Somebody offended me. Somebody hurt my feelings. Something happened. I just, I'm not happy. I'm just, I'm just walking away. Dad just says, eh, you know what? We're saved. We're all going to heaven. What's the point, right? What else are they going to tell us? We're all saved, right?" Dad takes his hand off. Dad disconnects from Jesus. Disconnects. Disconnects. Those of you that are thinking about getting married one day, um, if this is like electricity, boom and boom, I cannot tell you how Jesus helped your marriage. It is an amazing thing. I'll be honest with you. Anyone tells you, oh, we never fight, liar. Absolute liar. Marriage is a difficult thing. Everyone who's married, say amen. amen. Everyone who's married to Danny Holloway, say amen. amen. Exactly. <laughs> marriage is a difficult thing. I'll tell you something. You connect to Jesus, he makes that bond stronger. Mom, I want to show you something. I've never yet met a good woman who doesn't want a godly, uh, spiritual man as her husband. Because a godly, spiritual man is not a dictator, right? He's not the boss. He's the head servant, and he leads by being a servant. You know what's ironic, ladies? This is what I've seen. doesn't happen all the time. I've had ladies, I just want my husband to get saved. I just want my husband to get in church and everything else, and we pray for him. He comes to church. I've seen this happen more than one time. He comes to church, and then he starts to become like really involved. He gets saved. He becomes a Sunday school teacher and everything else. And mom will come back to me and say, "That's not what I wanted. This is a little more than what I wanted. I just wanted him to come and sit. And now he wants to be a deacon. This is more than I have thought about. This is we're coming to church way too much, preacher. I've seen that happen a lot, a lot." Watch what happens, though. She connects to the children. This isn't Pastor being sexist. I'm telling you, this is how it happens. Some of the most spiritual talks kids have are with their moms. Mom, you are the number one and first preacher to your kids. How many times do kids ask and talk to mom about some reason, or why does this happen, or is this okay, is this a bad thing? I still have things. My mom was an amazing preacher who never stepped foot in a pulpit because my mom was an amazing preacher I and mean, I still have everything pretty much that she told me. Now some things I have to work through because I'm still afraid every time I walk into a movie theater that if I die here, they're gonna tell my mom where they found me. Every time I walk in, I'm like, please Jesus, don't let me die here. And if I die here, then take my mom too so she doesn't know. But anyway, but then don't tell her when we're in heaven where I died. Don't tell her. But anyway, but I have I cannot tell you how many things my mom taught me and said to me, little things that have never left me has stayed with me. And you know what? That happens in my family, too. The kids, they don't come to dad for all these particular questions. Uh, Before they go to bed, mom reads them the Bible story, mom prays with them and everything else, and that's when they start asking questions. well, why do we, well, what about, mom, you are the number one preacher, so mom, what if dad stays connected and he say, you know what? This isn't really what I want. (laughs) I didn't really sign up for this. I just wanted a guy who didn't drink. I didn't want the next Billy Graham. What happens if you disconnect? You lost it to your kids, didn't you? You're the number one preacher, Mom. You need to stay strong and stay connected. And young people, you just, they don't want that. the mortgage on the, you know, gambling, he's following God, and he says, you know what, we're going to start going to church, and you're going to youth department, and you're going to be in Sunday school, and you're going to go to a water. and you're going to do all this sort of stuff, and then you got a mom who's like, yes, dad's awesome, I love that, and mom and dad love each other, and they're not, like, throwing things at each other, well, a lot, and, <laughs> and stuff like that, and the police haven't been called, you're not on an episode of Cops, right, and you got a mom and dad and everything, and then you go, I don't want that. I used to tell my students when I was a student pastor, because some of them were, were brats, born, raised, and taught in church. And they had all of their grandparents were in church, great-grandmother in church, and they're like the fourth generation. And, they're all, and I said, you have no idea how many people would beg to have your life. You have a mom and dad who love you. and well, that would be hard. <laughs> your dad has said, your dad cares enough about you to set a curfew. <laughs> Your mom won't let you date a loser. Isn't that fair? That's why I got out of you. <laughs> they're people you connect. Mom and dad, let me tell you something. This is a tough thing when they get to become teenagers. So you know what you do? I'll tell you exactly what you do. I'll, I'll tell you what my parents did. You make sure they're in Sunday school. Yeah. You make sure they're in Awana. You make sure they're in the youth department. You make sure anytime there's Jesus here... Uh, Ken and Jim Merrill are great examples for your kids to be around. I'm here today because I can name five men out of First Baptist of Washington. They were all involved. Most of them were involved in youth ministry at, at First Baptist of Washington. They were involved in my life. Because five men, because when I was 18 and 19, I was like, I don't want that. Why can't we go and get drunk? And I had these people go, okay, calmly, politely, mom and dad, back me up and said, you know what, that's really screwed and background checked and you drop your kids off for free they tell your teenagers not to have sex they tell them to you tell your little ones to obey their parents they try and teach Bible verses to them and stuff like that wouldn't it be great if there's a place like that um, little Zoe let says you start in the nursery you want good teenagers? There's many times when I was a teenager, my mom would use Bible verses against me. She didn't. You want to know why? One, in lot every verse I know is from Alana. My parents said, if you don't know a verse, if you don't say a section, you don't get to watch Monday Night Football, because we did Alana on Monday Night. And after football was over, then you grabbed it, you don't get to watch TV if you don't say a section. He said, well, that's just me. No, that's called good parenting. Uh, but my mom would use Bible verses against me when I was a teenager,
1: and they drilled that in.
0: That started because my parents had me in church in the nursery. You don't raise teenagers.
1: You set them free, basically. They start to leave you.
0: You raise a teenager when they're born. You bring in—listen, you want to lay the groundwork for when they're teenagers? You have them in church when they're five. Want to lay the groundwork when they're 20? You have them in church when you're 10. It is too late at 16 when your daughter comes home with purple hair and announces, I'm in love with another girl. Oh, we better get her to church. It's too late when your son's 18 and the police call you, would you pick him up because he's in jail again? It's too late when they're 20 and they're in prison or they have a, a heroin addict. We oh, need to get them in church. It's too late then. You start when they're young. And let me tell you something our home, Little Zoe, everyone in here who is working with her, she sings, Jesus loves me. Little girl, she prays. And a couple days ago, I went up there and prayed with them and stuff. Uh, Those of you who are working uh, uh, with Chloe, that little girl can pray. And she's just, oh, thank you, thank you. Those of you working with Kylie, keep working. No, (laughs) you're working with Kylie and stuff, listening to them pray. You, you're doing an amazing job. I, I'm taking advantage of you because you're backing up everything we do. And Peggy, when they get in your class, you're going to back up everything we do. And then when they get old enough, they're going to be in the law department that says sections and does all of these things because they're backing up everything they can do. Because when they're 15 and 16, they're going to be in the student youth department. Because then when they think dad's an idiot and dad doesn't know anything, there'll be another group of adults that will go, no, 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 no. millennials. Worst decision you ever make. Walking away from the faith that your parents taught you. It all starts with connecting. Thank you guys. That's like 20 minutes long. You get your relationship with God right. You'll get all the other relationships right. It's too important to miss. Amen? Amen? It's too important to miss. Amen? Dad, your relationship with you and Jesus is too important. Amen? Amen? Mom, your relationship with you and your husband is too important. Amen? Amen. Young people, your relationship, young people, your relationship with you and your parents is too important. Amen? Amen? It's too important to miss him. We missed him. We missed it. Our chance to change things came and passed, and we didn't know it was there. A dark-skinned little boy sat through our Sunday school classes for three years. At the great First Baptist Church of San Antonio. And we missed him. We missed it. His name was Sirhan Sirhan. And at the age of 24, he shot and killed Senator Robert Kennedy. In a welter of words and the shudder of grief throughout our nation, the persistent thought that keeps running through my mind. We missed him. Said Pastor Jimmy Allen of the First Baptist Church of San Antonio, (coughs) "It's too important to miss." Every head bowed, every eye closed. you take your hand away from God and you walk away so many other things go with you But you recommit today ma'am you are the number one preacher to your kids what are you telling them with your life what are you telling them as a preacher I'm disqualified if my life doesn't back up what I'm saying how can you tell your kids to follow Jesus if you're not yourself and students Words will be on the screen. We do this every week. If you'd like to respond, no one will bother you. Please use these steps as an altar.